0: Hello and welcome to the Locked On Canucks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Justin Morissette and this is your Locked On Canucks for Saturday, November 16th, the day that the Vancouver Canucks are set to take on the Colorado Avalanche at home at Rogers Arena wearing those black skate jerseys. Yes, it is hashtag free the skate night at Rogers Arena. It is going to be a fantastic evening, if only because... The team on the ice is going to look ever so fashionable, and I hope that the crowd is loaded with uh, as much of that 94 swag as we can possibly bust out of the closets. I'm sure a good many people have at least a t-shirt in that style. It would be nice if uh, it wasn't blue jerseys filling up the seats on a night where the team is rocking the black-yellow and red. I'm very much looking forward to this game, not only because uh, of the jerseys, but because, as I have said many, many times on this podcast, uh, on the radio, on other podcasts as well, last year's game between the Canucks and the Avalanche that took place in November was, for my money, not just the best game of the entire Canucks season, but the best game that was played in the entire NHL last year. That game was enormously fun to watch. It was a spectacular, uh, spectacularly entertaining contest with the game that really signaled the arrival of Elias Patterson and Brock Besser as a duo, uh, as they had the, the kind of game, it was the game where, uh, Petey was able to knock the puck off the end boards as a lob pass that bounced off the wall and came right back to a streaking Besser coming down the wing. A, a Sedin-like move of just pure genius, uh, a game that demonstrated that Pedersen thinks the game like few players not named Sedin ever have in this city, and uh, the Canucks wound up taking that one 7-6. to six. It was a barn burner in every sense of the word, uh, just an electric game, the kind of game that makes you remember what you love about this sport. And you're certainly going to need a reminder after one that was, oh, just dull as can be on Thursday night. Yes, I did not have a podcast for you yesterday to break down uh, the game against the Stars in the immediate aftermath. You've probably heard it in my voice all week long. I'm sick. I just took a day to uh, Load up on medicine and sleep and and try to get rid of this thing. And, and uh, yeah, I'm still sick, honestly, but uh, not as bad as I was yesterday. So that's neither here nor there. Uh, let's talk about Thursday's game, though, before we get into uh, what to expect from the avalanche a little bit later in the program. Thursday's game as I mentioned, was no uh, beautiful painting. It was no Picasso either, as far as uh, surrealism. It was just a dull, drab, boring game, and that's the kind of game that Dallas is playing right now. Look, I mentioned yesterday, uh, or two days ago on the show, that Dallas' stars, no pun intended, their top-line duo of uh, Sagan and Ben had recently been chewed out by their coach, Jim Montgomery, for uh, not performing particularly well, but... How do you expect those guys to uh, deliver the goods offensively when this is a team that is raining everybody in? They are keeping all five guys back there, applying almost no pressure on the forecheck. Trap hockey has returned to the National Hockey League in a very big way. The league has tried to make all kinds of you know systemic changes and and uh, gussy up the the power play numbers so that maybe uh, special teams will add some more offensive juice to the game. Uh, it it certainly worked for a while, you know. When you go back to, uh, I guess the coming out of the lockout, close to twelve years ago, thirteen years ago, whenever it was now, certainly offense did look better to start. Uh, but again, that was a lot of penalties, just the whistles going constantly. It seemed like teams were more incentivized though to play an up tempo run and gun style, that sort of style is waning at the moment as a number of teams who've struggled out of the gate across the NHL, whether that is the Dallas Stars, whether it was the St. Louis Blues who had a bit of a rough go uh, to start maybe a Stanley Cup hangover, whatever you want to call it, uh, whether it's the New Jersey Devils who the Canucks have just seemingly had all kinds of difficulty against even when they are uh, one of the lowliest uh, lights in the entire National Hockey League. They are certainly playing a trap style. Heck, the, the the Arizona Coyotes are no stranger to that style, and Dave Tippett now behind the bench in uh, Edmonton, coaching the Oilers in a very similar way as well. It's something that sticks out at me as I watch the way Vancouver has struggled against teams that I think they should beat, and I mean, wh- who I think they should beat is uh, anyone's guess, really, because... <laughs> If you look at the the predictions that I laid out a little over a week and a half ago or under a week and a half ago on this show when I was asked the 12 games remaining in November what we can expect from the team, they have gone on to lose every single game that I thought that they would win and win the one game so far anyways that I thought they would lose. They're going to need a win tonight against the Avs to salvage a 500 record on this homestand, and they're going to need to trust their lines a little bit more as well. But again, we'll get to that in just a second. I think there's an overall pattern building in terms of the way Vancouver is not doing as well as we might think against teams that they maybe should beat. And that is because uh, we've talked about it in a positive way when they took on the St. Louis Blues, certainly, both in the game against St. Louis in St. Louis, where they won in the shootout thanks to a nifty Josh Levo move, and the one that they played here that they lost... In overtime, uh, to to St. Louis with that wacky 3-on-0 goal. What did I say after that game against the Blues? I talked about this team's heart. Their battle level, their desire to try and fight through their frustrations against teams that were giving them nothing. But it seems like as you look at the picture that is being painted right now over the course of the 20 games that this team has played, that's really only true of the games against St. Louis. They have been fired up to play the Stanley Cup champions and try to win a game On St. Louis's terms and and battle to overcome the imposing style of the blues, that trap style that wasn't giving them a whole heck of a lot. They have tried to rise up and fight through it and win games in all sorts of different ways against teams that inspire them. They have had difficulty, however, against other teams that are not the reigning and defending undisputed Stanley Cup champions uh, that do play a similar style. They struggled on opening night against the Oilers. They have struggled, like I said, against the New Jersey Devils. They struggled on Thursday night against the Dallas Stars. And... This is not a good sign that they cannot seem to put together an effort that can overcome uh, a team that's not offering up a whole heck of a lot. Because it's not always going to be fast and loose, wide open, run and gun hockey. Certainly if you want to make the playoffs, if you do make the playoffs, you're not going to be seeing a ton of uh, wide open, you know, sort of fast and loose, run and gun style hockey. Now I hope to see that style Tonight against Colorado, I hope to see uh, a recreation, a vague facsimile at the very least, of the kind of game that we saw between these two teams last November. But I do start to worry that when we are talking about the way that this team is, you know, piling up shots and doing all sorts of things, that the, the process is right, even when the results aren't necessarily there. I do worry that when they go up against teams that do play this stifling style. They don't necessarily have it in them to overcome uh, a, a, a trap game. And that's a problem. That is, you know, I, at the same time, there are reasons for why they might be struggling right now. And we'll get into that in just a moment. As much as I do believe that it is easier to get up for a big game against the reigning champs and and try to battle through frustrations and make things happen against a team that you are desperately trying to prove yourself against and prove to the NHL and prove to the fan base here in Vancouver that you can run with the big dogs, as much as I do believe that that is true and is an extra incentive that doesn't exist when you're taking on some lesser lights uh, that play similar styles, There's also a matter of just not having a ton in the tank right now, and yes, the road schedule has been difficult for Vancouver over the course of this month of November, and they are not dealing with travel right now. They are getting a good week of just playing four games in a row on home ice, but again, that is four games in seven nights, and it's also a matter of uh, just having a depleted roster right now. There are five bodies injured up front missing from this lineup if you include Antoine Roussel at the moment and that is not an insignificant amount it is a good many forwards that this team is missing and when i talked about the strategy that this team could employ to try and overcome some of that lost depth calling up a scoring forward whether that's Nikolai Goldobin or whether that's even a Reed Boucher if if uh, Travis Green feels like he can trust Reed Boucher more than he can trust Nick Goldobin. Either way, he needs forwards that he can trust. He needs forwards that he can play because I didn't even get to the fourth line when I was going over the lines uh, doing my game day summary on Thursday afternoon. You know, I didn't even mention the fact that that fourth line is Tim Schaller, Tyler Grauvach, and Louis Erickson. I think I just saw that Erickson was still in the lineup and kind of went into a fugue state and just blacked out and started talking about other things when I snapped out of it because... I know, looking at that roster, that, that Travis is not going to play Louie, and and I had a good feeling that I didn't want to see Tyler Gravach called up at all in the first place because he wasn't going to play him very much either. And wouldn't you know it, that is exactly what happened. When you look at the way the ice time shook out in Thursday night's action, Louis Erickson finished the game having played 5 minutes and 58 seconds, and that included a full 2.05 of penalty kill time, which means Louie at even strength played less than four minutes. He played 353 of even strength ice. That's basically four shifts, maybe five shifts that even strength in the entire game. Tyler Gravac meanwhile, played five minutes and 31 seconds with no special teams time whatsoever. So that's two players on the roster that Travis Green didn't trust at all. Didn't play at all. And look, Whatever you might think about the misgivings and and shortcomings of of a guy like Nikolai Goldobin or a player like Reid Boucher, for that matter, at least you can trust them on the ice to play more than five and a half minutes. And that is putting all kinds of pressure and ice time on your other forwards that simply cannot handle playing that amount. I talked about the fact that Bo Horvat left practice early on game day on Thursday and, and just left the ice and was still good to play he was dealing with something that he had suffered after playing close to 28 minutes in Tuesday's game against Nashville. You cannot be playing a forward that amount. You shouldn't even be playing a defenseman that amount. But when you have 10, 11, 12 guys up front, I know it's currently 10 when you look at the fact that, and I mean, Tim Schaller's on that fourth line, nominally a fourth line, but he was playing up and down the lineup all night long. You know, the the lines were being shuffled, not as a result of the fact that nothing was happening for anybody, but because when you're playing with just 10 forwards and don't trust your bottom two guys, you're not going to have consistent line mates when you are putting the lines out there hardly at all. Tim Schaller wound up playing 10 minutes and 40 seconds with... of penalty-killing time, so that's eight minutes at even strength over the course of three periods. It's not like Tim Schaller played an enormous amount on Thursday night, but he still played close to double the amount of his supposed line mates. When you put the ice time together of Erickson and Grauvac, you come up with short of 12 minutes, which is about a minute more than Schaller played in the entire game. So... You know, something needs to give. You cannot be doing that. And as we head into Saturday's game, I don't believe right now that the Canucks have called anyone up or sent anyone down because I would have gotten an email about a press release about any of those moves from the team. I don't think they did anything heading into Saturday night's action. They're not going to get uh, Brandon Sutter back by then because he's going to be on injured reserve still until at least after this game. You might get Jay Beagle back, but because he was slated as being day-to-day as recently as Tuesday. So, you know, there is a possibility that a centerman that Travis Green does trust will return to this team in the immediate future. It's possible that Jay Beagle will play in tonight's game, and you better hope that he does because, you know, Bo Horvat is struggling right now. He is struggling at even strength when he's not on the power play. There's not a lot going right For the Canucks captain, is he proving himself as a leader off the ice right now? Absolutely, he is. On Thursday, he stayed out on the ice with uh, veterans and people who were there uh, with the army for Military Appreciation Night, long after he was being called off the ice by Canucks staff. And he wanted to stay out and make sure that anyone who was there uh, as part of the military that night for Military Appreciation Night got a chance. To get an autograph, get their picture taken with Bo Horvat. He went above and beyond. Was the last person off the ice that night. You know, he's gone above and beyond in the community as well, uh, the hockey community in general. He was one of the only people who came out swinging really against Don Cherry. Uh, you know, Nazem Kadri, coward, the cowardly Nazem Kadri, who we're gonna see in the Avalanche colors later tonight, said that Don's comments were not that bad, and people were quote unquote taking them out of context. I don't believe that to be the case at all. Nazem Kadri, you know, screw off, man. What gives? Bo Horvat, meanwhile, was a leader. He, he did what a leader does. He spoke out on behalf of the people who were being attacked by Don Cherry and said, you cannot speak like that. You cannot say things like that. The game of hockey is for everyone, and those kind of sentiments are not welcome here. That's an amazing comment from a captain, and he took All kinds of fire for saying that, but that's what you have to do to be a leader: is be willing to say the difficult things and tackle the difficult subjects, and take that criticism from the public and be willing to take that because he spoke out and is on the right side of history. I'm proud that Bo Horvat is the captain of this hockey team, given the way he has conducted himself off the ice all week long this week. But on the ice, he is hurting. There is something wrong. He has, you know, in the past been that guy who's taken a major step forward in at least one part of his game, season to season, year over year, every single year of his career. It hasn't been there this year, and the fact that he is being relied on to chew up all these minutes in the absence of Sutter and, and, uh, and Jay Beagle, it's not helping him at all. The fact that he had to play close to 28 minutes and is clearly suffering with some sort of injury right now. Uh, you know, had to leave the ice, thought it would be better to just skip the remainder of practice that day. He is hurting. He needs help. He needs something to take that load off his shoulders, whether it's Jay Beagle or whether it's a call-up that Travis Green actually can play and trust to play more than 8, 9, 10 minutes in a game. You know, whatever takes the pressure off as far as time on ice and allows Bo to, to focus and play good minutes with the minutes that he does play, you know is much needed to help right the ship with this team right now well how's this for a segue enough about cherry fired What about Fired Cherries? Yes, you can probably find Cherries Jubilee somewhere on DoorDash and treat yourself to the dessert or the meal, perhaps, that you deserve. Whether you are stuck late at the office and don't have time to get away and uh, would rather the food come to you, or you're at home and just don't feel like putting pants on to go out and enjoy a nice meal at the restaurant and don't feel like cooking either, you can get your favorite restaurants to come to you. Thanks to the fine folks at DoorDash. DoorDash connects you to your favorite restaurants in your city and ordering is easy. Open the DoorDash app, choose what you want to eat, and your food will be delivered to you wherever you are. Not only are your favorite spots already on DoorDash, but there are over 340,000 restaurants in 3,300 cities, so you might find a new favorite as well. With door-to-door delivery in all 50 states and Canada, you can order from your local go-to's or from your favorite national chains as well, whether that's Chipotle or wendy's whatever you like it can all be right at your doorstep don't worry about dinner let dinner come to you with doordash right now our listeners can get five dollars off their first order of fifteen dollars or more when you download the doordash app and enter the promo code locked on that's five dollars off your first order when you download the doordash app from the app store and enter promo code locked on bo horvat however was not alone in the struggle department on thursday night joining him there were Troy Stetcher and Jake Vertanen. Yes, if you were to look at the box score on the evening for how Vancouver fared against the Dallas Stars on Thursday night, you would think to yourself, oh, that Troy and, and Jake probably had a great night given they both scored goals and, in fact, were Vancouver's lone goal scorers on the night uh, when Vancouver loses 4-2. to But, uh... That was not the case. Jake, a minus three on the evening. He was on the ice, in fact, for all four goals that Dallas scored on the night. And uh it wasn't a very good night either for Troy Stetcher, despite the goal. Is the the number one goal they got burned on, despite the fact that Jake was out for all of them, was Blake Como's goal that came four oh three into the second period. And Blake Como, who hasn't been a forty-point player since the 2011 season, uh, looked like a slow-motion Connor McDavid as he parted the seas and danced through at least three Canucks on his way to the net and backhanded one past Jacob Markstrom. Uh, Stetcher, of course, uh, got to atone for his sins, as did Jake. Both players uh, scored to tie the game 2-2, Before, as mentioned, uh, Dallas restored their lead with a Tyler Sagan goal that came late in the second period with 131 remaining in the middle frame. And then Alexander Radulov put the icing on the cake with 236 remaining in regulation. That's how it ended. But, uh, you know, I I have made the case long and hard on many episodes of this show that Troy Stetscher needs to be playing a bigger role on this team. And the same for Jordy Ben, obviously. That... Herring needs to play more if they want to alleviate some of the minutes that Alex Edler is eating up on a night-to-night basis. Now, uh, on on that night on Thursday, Quinn Hughes was right there with Alex Edler uh, in terms of ice time, twenty three thirty one for Hughes, just four seconds back of Edler, who led the defense once again with twenty three thirty five. A full five o two on the power play for Quinn Hughes on Thursday night. Impressive, given that the Canucks only had three man advantage opportunities, so Hughes out there playing five six of all of the minutes that were available for anyone to play uh, as the point man out there on the power play uh, 58 seconds of ice on the man advantage for Alex Edler and 15 for Tyler Myers but um Quinn Hughes has been quiet of late as well and I know no one wants to uh criticize him given that uh, just you know he's been incredible to watch his skating the, the, the little things that he does the impact that he's had on puck movement on the power play It's hard to say Quinn needs to be better, but he's certainly tapered off and been a reason why things have been a little bit quieter for the team perhaps during the month of November, certainly on the man advantage. When the Canucks' man advantage is good, the team is good. The the, the Canucks' power play is 50% in the team's regulation victories on the season. When they lose, the power play is only running at 7%. So, uh, you know, it's, it shouldn't be that way. You know, you should be able to find more five-on-five offense that you shouldn't be relying entirely on your power play. And that is explained as well by the fact that when the power play is clicking, they're largely beating up on, you know, pretty bad teams, uh, in this league. But, uh, it it is what it is, I guess. As Jake Vertanen said, not once but twice in his post game press conference, pulling the, the double Bertuzzi. He was asked about the the heartache of of losing this one, uh, despite uh, getting his goal, and just said, you know, uh, the the goal doesn't matter ultimately. Uh, the loss stinks, and it is what it is. Uh, you just wish that uh, you know Jake. Had, Jake's been good. When he's he's been put into a situation that is certainly above his ceiling, I think Jake Vertanen can be a quality third line winger. He is being asked to do more than that as he plays on the second line with Bo Horvat and is trying to be one of the guys to to get Bo going at the moment as he looks to uh, to feed the captain and, and get Bo on the score sheet. He's been unselfish. He's been doing, I think, largely th- things that people want him to. Progress on a little bit, but at the same time, he fired a chance directly into Kodobin's crest on Thursday night when he had a streaking Sven Berchi all alone on the other side of the ice and just had no mind that uh, Sven was even there. Sven Berchi, I thought, was very good on Thursday night. I think he is a guy who is doing everything that he possibly can to make sure that he stays in the lineup, having been called back up, but. Uh, you know, as I started out by talking before, I, I jumped on to all these other players, Troy Stetscher, despite the fact that, you know, he he had a rough outing on Thursday. He was not very good. He he certainly would like that Blake Como goal back and probably some others as well. Uh it's one night and the not being very good on one night does not mean that this team should not be relying on him more. In the grand scheme, you know, if, if we overlook rough nights and rough outings from other players, and Jake has certainly had a bunch of them and is still getting chances, so, you know, I think Travis is willing to overlook some, some faults in certain guys here and there where he has to, we can overlook one bad night for Troy Stetcher and know that that's not the player that he is on a night-to-night basis. Alex Edler had a bad night last week against Winnipeg. Alex Edler is still leading the Canucks in ice time, is almost leading the league in ice time, one of the top five players in terms of ice this season, and that is uh, an insane thing at his age. So if we can overlook their faults, we can say, hey, Troy, just, you know, brush this one off your shoulder and get right back out there. I hope Travis Green is able to uh, trust him to do that in the future. One last note before we wrap up. I know I mentioned nobody really wants to criticize Quinn Hughes at the moment. There's somebody else that no one wants to criticize as well, and that's another guy who was certainly off of his game of late and certainly was off his game on Thursday night against Dallas as well, and that's Jacob Markstrom, who, as much as Blake Como was able to walk through three defensemen uh, or three Canuck defenders, rather, on his way to the net and beat uh, Markstrom with a backhand shot, Uh, And and look, guys gave up on that play. Jake Vertanen just stopped skating immediately after Blake Como beat him. So the fact that Jake went on to get a goal to atone for that uh, was necessary. He did need to overcome his sins on that one. But at the same time, it was a weak shot. The Canucks weren't necessarily bad on Thursday night against the Dallas Stars. They just didn't get the kind of effort from Markstrom that had stolen them games perhaps early in the season because when this team was good in the opening 10, Jacob Markstrom was outstanding. I wouldn't even say he's been bad lately. He's just been average, and average goaltending for this team is quite frankly not going to cut it on a night-to-night basis. Thatcher Demko has been largely fantastic. Markstrom was at a very high level to start the season. It is tapered off. And look, there are obviously personal reasons for that. His mind is not right. His mind is not in the same place that it was to start the season. His father passed away from cancer, and there are all sorts of reasons why we should be sympathetic to his performance. But you also cannot ignore his performance, and you also cannot maybe say that he needs to play through this and and find his rhythm again. You know, he might need some time off, and if the team wants to look to Thatcher Demko during that time, you know, these are points that the Canucks cannot afford to let get away from them. The points that you put up in November count just as much as the points that you put up in March and April, and uh, this team needs to start making some hay here again in November. I realize it's a difficult month, it's a difficult schedule, it's a lot of difficult travel, But, you know, they have let some easy games get away from them. And I'm not saying Dallas was necessarily an easy game, but, you know, they would have had uh, a a goaltending performance to kind of uh, overcome some of their defensive gaffes earlier in the season. They need those performances again. And if Thatcher Demko can give them to them right now, then maybe they need to look at him as the guy. And I don't want to criticize Jacob Markstrom. I realize that, you know, have a heart. Have a conscience, have some empathy for what the guy is going through right now. But this is a results oriented business. You need to be playing well. And if he needs some time off to reorient his mind, he can take that time off. This team is in a position right now where they have the luxury of not having to run Markstrom into the ground like they did last season. If he needs two weeks to get his mind right again, to take some time to you know actually fully grieve and give himself into the bereavement process of losing his father, they are in a position where they can afford to give him that time. Thatcher Demko has been that good. So just something to think about. Uh, anyways, I'll be back with you tomorrow to talk about tonight's game against the Avalanche. Hope it's a fun one. Hope you all enjoy the jerseys. Hope it lives up to the hype, as I think people have had this one circled on the calendar right from the start of the season. I know I, for one, am very much looking forward to it. One last thing before I wrap up, if you want to throw me a review or a rating, wherever you happen to get the show, whether that's uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, Spotify, any number of other places that I'm not remembering where you get podcasts from, uh, if you enjoy the show, it does me a favor and gives us a boost in the ratings and rankings to helps other people find the show, if you'd be so kind as to rate and review it. Of course, you can get at me on Twitter at Justin Morris. That's M-O-R-I-S-1R1S one one and the show Twitter, of course, is at Locked On Canucks. I'll probably be doing another Twitter mailbag coming up in the next couple days here. But uh just a you know, another show tomorrow and probably another one the day after that. It's a bunch of locked Ons in a row as we try to give you five episodes in a week. Not always easy when I am feeling under the weather. Until tomorrow, I have been and will continue to be Justin Morissette, and you've been locked in on Locked On Canucks